Hello everyone, Fernando here and welcome to a new episode of the For Change Makers show. Uh, today I want to take a minute before introducing you to this episode to thank you uh, for the feedback and for sharing the podcast on social media, on letting your friends and your family know about it. Uh, we can see that we are growing, so really thank you, thank you, thank you. It's highly appreciated. Just keep doing more of that. Um, if you're new here, well, welcome to the show. This is the first season of the For Change Maker Show. And what we are doing is that we are bringing together experts and business people that are doing business with impact. People who it's making our world a bit better using the power of business as a force for good. Now, this is a long format podcast. And each week we take the time with, with, with one of our amazing guests to talk about business, to talk about impact, to talk about their mission and how they do business, how uh, they are doing what they are doing, how they are engaging with their clients, with their community, what's the business model that they are using, how they are making an impact and much, much more. Now, our guest today is Johanna Mager. Johanna is the founder of Expansion Echo, a consulting company that helps international social business enter the German market. She is also the founder of the Next Normal community that is a community of people that are committed to sustainable and positive impact. In this episode, Johanna shares with Sina the key ingredients for a successful expansion. So when you want to go international, what are the key ingredients and how to deal with those insecurities and fears that might appear um, in your mind during the journey? And she's also giving practical advice to get you started with your business and with your expansion. What are the important things that you should be focusing on and how to find your first clients? Now, did you know that more than 80% of businesses that try to expand internationally fail? Well, um, if you listen to this fantastic conversation, then you will find out more about this and you will find out how to be part of the 20% that actually succeeds. So with no further ado, please enjoy. Hannah, welcome to the Four Changemakers podcast. Hello, thank you, and uh, it's great to be here. Awesome. So yeah, Johanna and I, we met last year during the B Corp Summit in Amsterdam, when she was introducing me to the Fair Chain Coffee of Mouyi, and we had a coffee together, which uh, led to another coffee, which led to some glasses of wine, and uh, yeah, we were not also not only drinking, but we were also talking a lot about our businesses, about our visions, our values. And because of that, I'm super happy that you are my guest in this episode today, um, because I know that you can provide a lot of value and you are not only the co-founder of an impact business, but you also work with a lot of social businesses and B Corps. And you also founded The Next Normal, where you build a community of change makers and run regular events. So maybe you can introduce yourself um, a little bit and give us some background on all the things I just mentioned. Yes. Um, well, I think you already gave a great summary. So uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, 
I'm originally from Germany. I was born and raised there. And um, with my father working in the army, I moved around every two years. That's what that was, yeah, just something he had to do for his job. And of course the whole family went um, with. And when I was old enough to decide for myself, I chose to live in the Netherlands. Um, I went there to study um, leisure management and marketing. And I immediately fell in love with the country and the people. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to stay here, but not before I would give the, the working environment of Germany a chance. So I did my internship um, in Berlin to understand if Germany might be interesting for me anyways, because I only experienced it as a child, of course. Um, but I was quite sure then after that, I really preferred Holland and then decided to go back. Um, yeah, and it was quite a long journey between studying and working and moving around. I never stopped moving around in this two-year rhythm, funny enough. Yeah. Um, it was so ingrained probably in my personality that only three years ago, um, I, yeah, it's three years ago that I um, bought a house in Amsterdam. And it's the first time that I'm actually living longer than two years in one house. I think that's a bit of my background, uh, how I came to where I'm now. So thank you for sharing a little bit more about your background. Um, it's super interesting to know that you were moving around a lot and um, that you now found your home spot in Amsterdam. And I know that uh, you also run your, your business, um, not only from Amsterdam, but also from Berlin. So it's also uh, related to moving and traveling a lot. So what made you becoming an entrepreneur? Yeah. Um... If you would have asked me five years ago uh, if I would uh, want to start my own business, I would definitely have said no, never, ever in my life. Um, I think that had to do with fear and insecurities. Um, but then someday I realized, I don't know, I, I felt that um, employers often in traditional companies, they value time more than results. And of course, I cannot speak for a lot of all of the companies, but the ones that I work in, I felt like I'm, I'm wasting my time with stuff that's not really making a difference in the world. And um, I think I was 27, 28. I thought, you know what, I just take the faith, leap of faith and um, start freelancing because I thought I can use my time better and I don't want to sit behind my computer pretending to work well, I could actually use the time differently. And um, yeah, so I just did it. And I started freelancing um, and used the advantage that I was a German in the Netherlands as my USP. So I would go to companies and say, do you need help with Germany? I can do everything related, content management, translations. And um, yeah, that worked quite well. And I think one day I came across an impact company. It was a more or less coincidence. And that's also the time I met my co-founder again. We know each other from uh, high school. When we were 14, we were best friends back then, you know, just typical wow. girl relationships. And she was also a bit like, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I don't feel good in this company I'm working at. No, I want to do more. And especially I want to, to, I see so much stuff happening in the world. I want to contribute to the positive solution. And so if I, yeah, you know what, why don't we use our locations, me, Amsterdam, her, Berlin, to start something and help companies to 
yeah, succeed better and especially impact companies. Um, because we realized then we looked at numbers and saw that 80% of all companies fail at growing, which is a crazy number. We thought, how is that? So we the number for, for businesses in general or for impact businesses? In general, okay. yeah. And um, it's from a study of McKinsey. They realized that and they were also in this article. Um, maybe you can link it in the something below or wherever. Yeah, I can link it in the show notes, of course. Yeah, because uh, it's super interesting that um, this is something that is happening since a long time. It's not a new number, but the numbers are also not really changing. And it's so interesting that people don't seem to learn from the failure of others. And yeah, the, well, we thought, okay, well, if that's the number, let's help at least the impact businesses to to make a difference because it would be a pity that they, yeah, that they lose, um, how do you say that? Okay, I'm gonna say that again. Um, if also 80% of all impact companies fail at growing, we lose valuable time and resources that we just don't have. And uh, we decided that we want to be the missing link between the ambitions of these impact companies and making them a reality. And that's how expansion eco came to life in essence yeah so super super inspiring mission i would like to dig deeper on on your mission a little bit later um mm -hmm. but when when you said um or when you shared your journey of becoming an entrepreneur you said in the beginning uh, you never really thought about becoming one because um, probably like fear and insecurity hold you back. And I can relate to that. So for me, it was a similar process. Um, so when, when I was still uh, self-employed, I was also unhappy for similar reasons you just shared. And I wanted to, I already had the idea in mind of becoming um, self-employed or starting my own business because I knew it would give me the freedom that I, I was looking for and also to create the impact that I, I was looking for. But it was also, of course, facing some fears, some insecurities. And I think this is something that a lot of people, uh, that is holding back a lot of people. So maybe you can share a little bit about the fears um, you had or the fears you were facing and how you overcame them yeah um let me think about that i think uh, first of all it was that i was looking at entrepreneurs in a way that wow they're cool and uh, you know they have something to say or something and i didn't feel back then that i would have that too so uh, i think that's the fear also to you know daring to put yourself out there and mm -hmm. taking uh, taking a stand and actually do something you yeah no, yeah. that, that was scary i think and it's still scary obviously yeah and i think also it's related to looking at those entrepreneurs that are already very successful and then you compare yourself yeah. to them but they already are like 10 or 20 steps ahead of you and that you sometimes forget that they also started with the first step sometimes and that's what i realized now looking back now at my own entrepreneurial journey i think it's really funny that also um, my journey is exactly like in the books you would read about how businesses start. And I also think, you know, Apple never started as Apple, right? It also started super small and with, a, with nothing probably. Um, and we also had a lot of different ideas before we came to this idea. We started with a fashion jewelry that we wanted to bring to market. Uh, we explored that for a few weeks. Then we wanted to, to develop a blockchain solution that would make the fashion industry more transparent. 
and um, that's something we worked on also for weeks. We uh, wrote a whole white paper and we spoke to, I think, 100 people in the fashion industry in order to understand the processes, etc. And um, by going all these steps and learning so much from the people, we only then realized what is actually the problem and where we, with our skills, could really make a difference. And that was... Um, the part uh, of the growing that a lot of companies are biased by their own um, thoughts and that um, growing a business is uh, a process full of bias right we tend to be overly optimistic we overestimate our capabilities and um, we don't rely on experience and thorough investigation and that's what we realized when we spoke to all of these companies in the, in the search for what we actually want to do and uh, yeah so Going back to fears, um, I think it's normal to have fears, but looking back, it's also something that helps in the process. I don't know if you have the same. Yeah. Look back. Yeah. But it's like, it's, uh, in German you say, Angst ist ein guter Ratgeber. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's good to have some fears. Yeah. Keeps you sharp and... Um, attentive to what's actually important yeah yeah i i think it's good to have some fears but also to then be like brave enough to overcome them and not limit mm -hmm. yourself by your fears but if you're aware of your fears and you act uh, anyhow i think then yeah it's it's helpful to have them definitely yeah. and you was you were just sharing that you did a lot of research and you talk a lot of uh, to a lot of people especially when you were uh, thinking about starting this blockchain um, business. Mm -hmm. So um, in the last uh, interviews or the last episodes we did with other social businesses, we also talked about this topic of researching and how important it is to talk to the industry, to talk to your target market, to learn about the problem um, in order to set up like a business and a business model that is a good fit. Um, so I, I would like to understand a little bit better um, on how you did then the transition to start um, the business you are in right now. So from like, doing the research in, on, the, on the blockchain business and also on the jewelry, jewelry businesses, you would just mention all the ideas you had. How did you end up starting then Expansion.eco? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think in that sense, the money issue came in because we, we didn't have much to live off, Carrie and I. And uh, both the jewelry and the blockchain would be things that would take a long time to bring to market. Um, it would need a lot of investment and also because, well, I'm not a jewelry maker and I'm also not a blockchain expert. <laughs> so we would need a lot of um, resources in order to make that happen. And at the same time, again, we realized that there's also a different problem that is really interesting us, and that is the 80% of failed companies. And we thought, you know, let's just start mean and lean with the skills that we actually possess without having to rely on others and just let's, let's just start. And that's how we slowly rolled into Expansion Eco, which was then also called differently. It was blank narrative at the time. Um, yeah, we just started using our own expertise and made a big business out of that. And what were your first steps in the beginning when you started? Um, I had the, um, the one freelance client I told you about in the beginning. It was actually a Waka Waka, also a B Corp. Um, 
I was working for them already on a, as a side job, let's say it, because of course I needed to get some money in. And we proposed to them that they would become our first launching client and that they would get for the same money, um, double the, the amount of resources because Carrie would then also be involved in Waka Waka. And uh, that's how it started. And for us, it was a great deal because we could use Waka Waka as a launching customer, which also helped us to get other clients, of course, because yeah, it always takes, um, take, I think it's, Anyway, it's a good thing to always start with a customer. A lot of people focus on designing a nice logo and, you know, the website, but in the end, it's important to have customers. And once you have that going on, you can think about all the, all the nice things around it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is a very, very important point and I absolutely agree on that. And when Fernando and I started for Changemakers, we did it in the exact same way. Um, so we, we both think it's very valuable to go to the market very soon and very quick because you will get the most valuable feedback from the market if you already have customers and if you work with them. And we, we started with a, I would say, maybe similar um, approach. So we had a model uh, that is called like a 333 model. So we decided to work with three customers for free in the beginning to get mm -hmm. feedback and to learn. And then we had three customers that just paid like half of the price. And then afterwards, three customers that paid like the full price of the program. And you were saying that you also gave Waka Waka kind of a discount. Um, so I think this is a good advice for, for people starting an impact business. And that once you get like quick uh, available feedback from the market to look for a customer and offer them kind of a discount or something that, that is available for both of you where you can like practice. Um, yeah, on the yeah I'm, I'm a great fan of giving away knowledge and value. Um, I think it's important to, to put some nuance on here because what I also, the thing I don't like in social businesses is often that they say, oh, we're a social business, can you work for free? Because yeah. we have a mission and I'm definitely against that because I think, come on guys, if you want to succeed, you should also value the people that work for you and actually pay more because you, you need the great people to make this instead of just getting cheap people or people who work for free. But if it really helps you and your own business um, and you can really make a like a win-win situation, in the case of uh, Waka Waka for us, the win was really that we have such a cool client on our list of clients and um, in return for that logo let's say we did that but we didn't do it because we are nice people if you know what I mean yeah but we are nice people <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah definitely I think this is a very very important point and I mean you said that you were also already working for Waka Waka as a freelancer and yeah. as you said, they are a B Corp, so they are an impact business. So how was your personal journey of um, focusing on impact businesses or of wanting to, to create an impact or having a purpose? So is there a story um, within your life or maybe a person that um, inspired you of um, yeah, going into that direction? Uh, if I'm very honest, then I think no. Um, for me, it was I. For me, it more happened coincidentally. So, um, of course, uh, it's important to me. You know, sustainability is always something that was ingrained. It was never something that uh, was mentioned at home as an issue or something. But I think because 
we just had to we just lived in a sustainable way um it was just normal for us um, also our holidays were always in nature we would always go with a car and uh, tents on a campground in spain and Sweden, italy france i never went on a holiday with my parents by plane for example so for us it was very normal to live nature related and um so i think that's in my uh, nature um but i never really thought to make a difference myself in it because yeah i don't know it's also a bit in this uh, field of insecurity what can i do right what what can one person do and who am i to make a difference um but later when i started freelancing i realized you know i can either work for companies that do not care or i can work for these that care so i would be stupid if i don't choose the ones that care because they can actually make a difference it was just a decision of you know i have the luxury to choose where i want to work so i choose the the good guys yeah definitely a very good decision <laughs> yeah. and and that's the interesting thing by making that decision the more you learn i always use this quote um once you care you're fucked sorry um and once you know about stuff you cannot go back anymore so it started from working to stopping stop buying clothes from stop eating meat from stop flying and it's only getting more and more but it feels easier and easier to do so yeah yeah i'm on the same track and uh, we were talking about it also at the b corp summit where um i also came by train from Hamburg to Amsterdam. I mean, yeah. it's not too far, but you also travel always by train when you go from Amsterdam to Berlin yes. and you go back or within Europe, you mainly travel by train. So yeah, I, I, I feel you and I understand you because yeah, I was just on the same journey, not eating meat anymore, not buying clothes from companies like H&M, etc. So as you said, if you, once you learned about, you learn about it, then you cannot go back. That's absolutely true. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would like to dig a bit deeper on, on your business model. I mean, you already explained the, the first steps, um, how you started, but how did you decide on a business model or how did you came up with it? Was it also like trial and error or did you do some research and research some other impact uh, businesses of what kind of business model they had or did it just happen by accident that you ended up with the business model you have? Mm -hmm. um, so let me go back a few years <laughs> um, in the beginning uh, we were so a bit unsure okay what are we going to do okay germany that's clear that we want to help companies to enter the german market um, and in the beginning we just did everything that was related to that so as long as it would be related to germany we would do it um, so we would be like i don't know we would do translations we would do social media um, we would help set up a legal structure. Yeah, but we realized, okay, that doesn't really make a difference. You know, this is more the framework stuff that, mm, yeah, okay. We can do that, sure, no problem. Um, and still this didn't contribute to the fact that 80% were failing because we just did the same stuff that everyone was doing. So there was no innovation in what we offered. And uh, I think it was one year after we started the company that we got a client that asked us to do what we are doing now, funny now. 
So they really saw the value in the researching part, in getting out there, understanding the people, talking to people. We were, I think it was two months that we were running through Berlin to more than 700 stores, talking to owners to understand what their buying behavior is, how consumers buy in their stores, all these kind of things. And they paid us a lot of money for that. And then we thought, hey, this is what we want to do. And there are actually people that want to spend money on it. So why don't we focus more on that part, really the understanding the market part. And if someone wants a website or a translation, we can help them by pointing them into directions of our partners, for example. So we would never say, no, we cannot do that, but we wouldn't do that um, anymore and really focus on what we do now, and which is really the, the finding of the product market fit for our clients. Yeah, what you just shared is also like a very important lesson. And we were already talking a little bit about this topic when we had our pre-chat before we started uh, recording the episode. It was, we were talking about how to niche down. And you, when you were saying that in the beginning, you would do a kind of anything that is related to, to mm. Germany or to Germany, you would do translations, uh, websites, etc. cetera. Um, but then in the end, or right now, you have like a super clear target market and you really niche down because you only uh, work with consumer um, or you work with consumer good businesses uh, that are B2C that are um, impact uh, driven and that want to enter the German market. So it's like a super clear uh, niche and clear target market. And um, so what maybe you can share a bit more experience about this whole process of niching down because I know from myself that it's not easy to niche down and to decide on like a clear target market because it also comes with some fears of maybe leaving out some uh, customers or maybe leaving some potential like on the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, this again is also a scary process. I think also because we, Carrie and I were interested in everything, right? We, we like fashion. We love uh, mobility is interesting. We like, tech um all these topics are interesting to us and they're all really important um so it was really scary to choose but what we understood is that the things we were really good at were understanding the consumer the conscious consumer and with every project we did we got to know the conscious consumer a little bit better and we also understand that stood then that um the knowledge we gain with one project is we can use that for a next project and really build on that and actually have all these impact businesses profit from that knowledge that we grow over time. So we were quite sure, okay, consumer, this is it. Um, and the, the, the consumer that buys the Waka Waka solar lamp is the same consumer that would buy coffee, for example, because, or sustainable coffee, because, um, they want to spend their money on good things, right? We also call them the happy activists. Um, these guys that want to make a change in the world, but also do good for themselves. They want to enjoy nice stuff. Anyways, that was that. And then um, we also understood that we are really interested from back when we were young. We were always working in gastronomy. We love food. We love um, nice drinks, also non-alcoholic. And we thought, you know, we, we love these products. So let's combine what we know and are good at with what we actually love. And that's 
when we came down to focusing really only on the FMCG, FMB segment, um, impact companies, plant-based, uh, all these guys, and finally, only Germany for now. Yeah, so what you just said is that um, the way you niche down was looking at what you and, and carry what you really enjoy, like personally, and then, um, yeah, niche down on this. Um, yeah. Do you have some other advice for people that might struggle right now with niching down besides focusing on what they enjoy themselves? Yeah, I think um, I can only say that in hindsight because upfront we, we never thought about let's think what we really like the most because what I said before, we also like tech, you know, and etc. But um, uh, advice, yeah, I think it's, try to understand also where there is a need uh, and where there is I think it's also important look at where there's repeat business for your company um, drinks food this stuff that will continue to be there right you can and people will buy that on a continuous basis it's not that they buy it once and never again so it's also interesting to look okay what which niche which products could be interesting to to sustain over a long period of time and um, hmm, I'm going to think a bit more. Yeah, make it, I think, even though it sounds scary, make it as small as possible. Because once you only focus on that small thing, I realized it's crazy what kind of big world opens up between this small thing. And you didn't see that before because you had to focus on so many things. Once you really zoom in on something, you realize how huge that small world can actually be. Yeah, I think this is a big one. This is really a big one. Uh, thank you for sharing it. And now that you niche down and that your target market is super clear, um, I would like to, to get some more information on the process of then developing products for your business that were like a good fit for your target market. So maybe you can share the process of defining your products. Yeah, that was learning by doing, definitely. Um, we also changed quite often, as in, um, first it was research, very general research. But we also felt that research is a bit looked down upon. It's not, it doesn't feel actionable. It sounds a bit hmm, boring, maybe. And um, people didn't really understand, ah, why would I need research? No, just, let's just go and do it. <laughs> and um, a bit later, we, we changed that into market validation. It sounded a bit more fancy. Okay, you have a market, let's validate your hypotheses. Let's see if there is really what you think there is, because wanting to go to, to the German market is a great idea, but is it really? Let, let's validate if it, if it is really a good idea. And then later we understood, hey, wait, it's not only about the market, but it's also about the product you're selling. So um, what we are at now, and it's probably changing in the future again, um, is one of our products is to find your product market fit, where we really look at your product in the market together. So not only look at the market or only look at your product, but look at the combination of things. And um, the second product we have, we, we actually always have a step-by-step -step model. 
So we always start with a product market fit to understand, is there actually a market for your product? If we can check that off, we would do a pilot to test if this product market fit is actually there. Because in the first part, um, we speak to a lot of people, really go out there. We also say we're proud to be more out in the, in the streets than behind our laptop, which is not true at the moment, unfortunately. Um, we want to know if people do what they say they would do. Because I don't know if you know it, but there's a huge attitude behavior gap. People yeah. say a lot, um, but when they actually ask to, to do something, then, well, they might be a bit reluctant. So the next step would be to test the assumptions from the product market fit and really sell the product to the consumers to find out how it works. And not only to, for example, you have a retail product, um, let's say a drink, you want to first sell it to the outlets where it's sold, right? Stores, cafes, maybe. Um, that's one part of the story. But you also want to know if consumers actually buy out of the store. And so it's, you also want to see what it takes for the consumer to buy the product. Um, it's not enough to put a product on a shelf and wait until it's sold, right? So you also want to understand the behavior um, of consumers. And once you take off the pilot as well, um, we would then go into development of a real marketing strategy for the whole German market, for example, or the whole segment that would be interesting for your product. Yeah, and that's actually it for now. It sounds very detailed. So how long, <laughs> <laughs> how long um, do you normally work with a customer? How long does the whole process take you? Depends on the type of product and it depends also on mm, the resources they have uh, and the ambition. So we did a project for the mentioned uh, drinks producer. Uh, that project was a three month product market fit in which we, um, in two cities, spoke to 250 and 350 people uh, to understand the market. And after we did a three month pilot, so that was a six months project. And now after the customer has taken this project back in house and is rolling it out all over Germany um, themselves, based on the recommendations we made, based on the product market fit and pilot. Um, another project, we did a three week, uh, product market fit that was really lean and mean just to understand and we are now still in the pilot phase um, but they have a little bit less resources so we have to um, smear out the pilot over a few months to understand it and it's a different product it's a different product so we can actually uh, we don't need to be too quick in it so yeah it really depends on the ambitions a uh, company has yeah, and the pilot is already contributing right to the to the um, to the business, so yeah, that's good. So what I understood from you is that um, it depends on your different types of customers, and that also the way you work with them is very individual. So mm -hmm. what I, what I'm wondering is the products you just described. Um, are they like standardized products so you can use them with every customer or do you always create like tailor-made uh, products when you work with a new customer? You mean uh, the products we offer? Yes. Or the services? Um, so now we really believe that this um, product market fit, then pilot, then marketing strategy, that this should be um, the order 
uh, and we really believe that you need to understand the market before you go in there. So we would, if someone wants to go in there directly or use us as an agent, we would decline. Um, so the process is always the same, but the details within the process, of course, can change. Mm -hmm. And how do you work with your customers then? Do, they, do the customers have like one core person within your business that is responsible for them? Or how does the, the process uh, look like? Uh, different. We work with different size of companies. Uh, so we have the, the more startup-y sizes where maybe the founder is also the person that uh, works with us. Um, and then we have uh, semi-corporates. I don't know, corporate is maybe not the right, but let's say 50 plus employees where we would then work with a team, for example. And what we find important is that in the company there are people buying into the, the project. It's really important that the whole company or at least the department that's responsible embraces this step to a new market uh, because we cannot, we cannot do it on our own. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, did, did you ever face um, a situation where this was a struggle? That they um, embrace the step into a new market? Yeah, I think, yes, definitely. Um, a common mistake let's say is that people think they can just start up their website in germany and then it will run but they forget for example that someone should actually pick up the phone in german you mm. know and it's not only us you need to um, pay for let's say but wanting to enter the german market is yeah it's a lot if you're lucky a lot of customers will buy your product are you actually able to um sell as many products are you ready to send are, is your supply chain in order um, can you actually serve the market um, and what we realized is one company didn't want to invest in a german-speaking customer service for example and they thought ah, it's going to be fine we'll just use google translate and um, it's going to be fine mm. okay it depends on your ambition uh, the germans are very specific in that case so wasn't a good idea. And in another case, we made the mistake that um, we didn't involve the team as much. And that was still in the beginning. We thought, oh, we're just going to do it and we show them the results. But um, so much happened within their company that we didn't know about that we were always one step behind. And well, we learned that quite quickly. Um, so we realized then, okay, we need to take the customers on board. We need to take them to Germany. Mm. We need to take them in the streets so that they can ex actually experience themselves what it is we're talking about. And uh, at the same time, we need to be in their company to understand what they are actually talking about. Mm. Yeah. Um, to, to understand uh, um, a bit better how you work with the customers, I would like to know, is it always like a one-on-one -on -one, um, service that you offer or do you also um, share like maybe some templates or maybe some workbooks or some some content that your customers um, yeah can consume on their own or do they always just work one-on-one -on -one with you yeah we're now developing a sort of do-it-yourself startup package um, because there are definitely steps that a company could take themselves and we also want to provide that because uh, of course not everyone every company 
maybe can afford to work with us or actually wants to take the, the big step already because when we start, we start, right? But um, you could also start um, preparing yourself and we are working on, a, on that right now, yes. And we have a blog where we share information, but that's not really a step-by-step -step template or anything like that. Yeah, because I think um, especially when you're a service-based uh, service business, like you mm -hmm. are as well, um, it's maybe harder to scale up your business um, compared to a product-based business because you always invest your time when you work with your customers. And of course, you just have 24 hours a day. So yeah. you're going to reach a point somehow sometime in the future where uh, you cannot take new customers on board. So what is your strategy within your business and your business model to uh, make it scalable? Yeah, that's a good point. And we have been crunching on that subject a lot. and we. Um we thought about developing a sort of intelligence software that would automate some some of the research. Sorry, that would automate some of the research. Um, and we're also still looking into that. How can we develop a tool that makes our work a bit easier? Right, that at least we can only use the hours that we really need to be in there uh, personally. Use them the best way. Um, but developing a software is quite a quite a process. So, um, and we also understood uh, because we don't do, um, markets are changing very quickly and the products we work with are also very specific. So it's, for now, we don't yet have the idea how we can make that optimized or standardized um, because it, it just takes personal asking, asking the right questions, asking more and more and more and more and more. Um, it takes human interaction. So we are, yeah, it's a good question. And um, we're still definitely struggling with that. We are working with dynamic teams. So it's not that we would um, always hire people for a project, but we, we pick the right people for the right jobs in order to make it as efficient as possible. And also we don't expect that one person can do all projects because every project is very different. Um, yeah, mm. that is a good one. We still need to find that out. <laughs> if you have suggestions, please. <laughs> here. <laughs> I mean, you you were sharing with me also in, in our preacher that your dream is um, building like a big team and make expansion equal like bigger than it is right now, which is definitely one way to scale it up. If you have a bigger team, you can take more of course. more customers on board. But yeah, talking about your team right now, so. Maybe you can share how big it is right now, how many people are working with you. Yeah, so right now it's um, us, the two founders, and we have Paula, which is part-time in Amsterdam, supporting us. We have uh, Zaralina, which is also freelancer, supporting with social media mainly for our clients. And um, we have, depending on the project, we have um, people flying in and out. So um, we worked on a project in Berlin and Frankfurt and in the, in the market validation slash product fit, we understood that we need a certain type of sales guys for this project. So for that project, we hired four guys in those two cities um, to work with us and we employed them for the, for the time being and uh, well, enlarged our team for that period. For a different project, again, we, we needed a, a coffee expert, so we hired 
coffee expert for that project and um, I think it's also a bit the way it's going to be in the future to really work with flexible expertise and building this dynamic team that can be flown in and out um, when needed. Mm. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and how do you find the people working for you? Or how do you, because I th especially when you work with social businesses and in this impact area, it makes absolutely sense to have people that understand this market and that share the same values. So how do you find people that are a good fit for, for your business and also um, as freelancers um, for your customers? It's uh, not easy. I think it's actually the hardest, um, especially also because often it's, we need them tomorrow, right? It's not that we know we need them in a few months and have all the time in the world to find them. Um, we use our network mainly. So it's really like, okay, now we need someone who can do this, 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 and shares these values. Can you please share it in your network? And that's how it goes, word of mouth. We use also a sort of, how do you call it in English? Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about the English word for it, right? <laughs> uh, a company that lends uh, employees. That's what we did. Um, and that's, of course, well, you pay a bit more um, because this middleman company also wants to earn some money. But then we know that we can really um, start tomorrow. So in some cases, we would do that. Um, yeah, that's. we never put out a, a job description online anywhere. And maybe interesting also for, yeah, I think that's interesting for your target audience. In October, we're going to hire, we're going to take part in a program. It's called On Purpose. And yeah, I know them. I know them. Yeah, you know them. Yeah, yeah. and they are helping um, people to to make a transition from a normal job to a purpose job. And uh, this project is the program is one year long, and the associates uh, go to two companies within that one year for 34, 35 hours a week. So in one year, you would get two experienced people that want to learn more about purpose business. Uh, we committed to that and going to start in October. Um, yeah, so that's really exciting. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and for sure you're going to get some people that definitely share the same values with you. Yeah, 100%, because that's their main purpose also. Yeah. Um, and it's great because they um, invest a little bit into this too because they get trainings, mentoring, etc. So for us, it's also a great way to experiment with having actually full-time employees because we also never had that because of the, the nature of the business we're in. Um, and yeah, see if that's really something for us. Yeah. And how do you work uh, within your team? Do you work remotely or do you have an office where people can go? Yeah, it's a bit of a sad story, but we, uh, we rented an office just before this whole crisis is um, came into our face and unfortunately we had to cancel that again because obviously no one is working in an office right now um, so we work remote uh, Amsterdam Berlin um, but we also feel that remote working is the way to go even though we would be in the same city all the time I think it's um, it's good for your mental health to work where you feel best and most productive and yeah I don't like to confine people to a nine to five, you have to be in the office and 
work then. You know, if you like to work in the night, fine. <laughs> Have fun with it. I don't mind. Um, as long as you do what you committed to do. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, was also one reason why I stepped out of my previous job where I was an employee because I wanted to decide on my own, um, like where I work from and also like the time. And I think yeah. it's, it's important because everyone is different and some people, they want to work in the same office every day, which is fine. But some people like me, they just need different surroundings from time to time because it also helps my creativity and my productivity. So yeah, yes. it's different. Yeah, um, so the the office you just mentioned was it supposed to be in berlin or was it supposed to be in amsterdam yes in berlin mm -hmm. okay and um yeah talking about uh, teams and hiring people it's also related on the topic of um the co-founder or finding a co-founder and you mentioned that you met your co-founder carrie already during high school when you were 14 years old and you mm -hmm. are like uh, super close friends so which is a beautiful story and yeah. uh, super cool actually a super cool story of um how to to find a co-founder but i think probably most people um yeah will not have uh, someone like that they can start a business with so can you can you share some some advice and some insights in in the process of finding a, a co-founder and um or what might be helpful for people that are looking for co-founder yeah i think um what is really important in a co-founder is that they are different from yourself so that they have skills that you don't have so that you can actually complement each other and depending on the business you are in you um maybe you're uh, like me more uh, well creative person generalist that you know I'm, I'm a quick starter and i want to do things but actually i don't know how to do anything myself um so and if you want to um, have a tech solution then it might be handy to find someone who is good at that part um in our case carrie for example she's really good in detail she loves to research stuff and she's really she wants to learn everything until there's nothing more to learn from it. And that was a great, great, great addition um, to our collaboration because I'm more, I'm more quick and fast and I, you know, I just want to go. And she could really give depth to what we were doing and um, also telling me, okay, good idea, but let's take a step back and see what that actually means. And I think it's good to have someone that can challenge you and um, add something. I think that's really important. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Also, I can, like from my side with having a business partner, I can definitely yeah. say same with me. And of course, also like sharing the same vision and the same mission. And you were already talking a little bit about your mission in the beginning and especially about how you and Carrie share the same mission. Um, so can you share a bit more about the mission and the purpose behind Expansion.eco? Yeah, certainly. So um, it's really our purpose to help impact-driven companies make better decisions. Um, what I mentioned before, 80% of businesses fail and that's crazy. And we just think that we can, we can either help impact businesses to, to belong to the 20% or make the 20% bigger. So that's really what we're in, in for. And um, yeah. For now, focus on the German market, but 
in the end, uh, it could also work for other markets and something we might look at in the future. But yeah, that's, that's in a nutshell our mission. I, I saw on your website that you also support the sustainable development goals and especially the goal number 12. So maybe you yeah. can talk a bit more about that. Yeah, I think all the goals are great, of course, but well, <laughs> we cannot um, do everything. And uh, goal number 12 is responsible consumption and production. And uh, as we focus on consumer goods, and um, this is really important for us that the products we work with are um, ethically produced, don't cause unnecessary harm, uh, etc. Because, I mean, you could wonder, right, why is selling products anyway sustainable? Because ideally, we want to consume less instead of consuming more. But um, in the society we're in right now, people will continue to consume. There's no way around that for the moment. So then we would rather stimulate sustainable consumption rather than, yeah, uh, work for not consuming at all. If if it, it's is it clear what I mean by that? Yeah, definitely, definitely clear. And I would like to know how you incorporate this goal in your daily business activities. Mm, so we ourselves consume very consciously. Um, it's, I always ask myself, okay, do I really need this? And the same goes for what we would need to buy in the company. Luckily, uh, we don't really need anything except for our brain and <laughs> some a laptop and a phone. Um, so we're lucky that we don't really have this, these difficult decisions to make. So for the office, for example, we, uh, we chose not to rent our own space, but just move in with a befriended company and share the space. Um, they are also a sustainable fashion company. And um, so that's important. And of course, we also look at the, the clients we work for. We, we don't just work for anyone. We really want to understand if they have the same values and if they're indeed impact driven. Do you have a process on, like if, if you're onboarding a new, new um, client, on finding out if they are a good fit, especially on the mission part? Yeah, so we define two types of clients. Um, the ones would be the really the disruptive companies uh, like uh, Waka Waka or Muyi Coffee, these that really want to change their own industry from within. Um, because Waka Waka, for example, they want to um, give light or give everyone on this planet access to light and energy. That's their goal. It's not that they want to sell uh, power banks, right? It's just a means to an end. And Moi Coffee wants to to create more fairness in the supply chain of coffee. And uh, they don't just want to sell coffee. It's again just a means to an end. And then on the other hand, we have companies that are not per se impact driven. It's not what they set out to do. But because of the, the time we are in, every company has to change the way they do business. And those companies are often bigger, the ones that I would call the semi-corporates. And with the bit of good they are doing, they often can do a lot more good than the small ones that do everything good, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So we also evaluate how big their impact could potentially be, even though they're not 100% impact driven at heart. And um, do you... I know that you work with a couple of B Corps like Waka Waka or Moye Coffee, um, but you're not 
uh, only work with B Corps, right? No, yeah, that's true. Um, I know that that you um, as expansion.eco, you also plan on becoming a B Corp. So mm -hmm. maybe you can also give some more uh, insights on this process and also how, why you want to become a B Corp and how um, you maybe also want to use this to measure your own impact. Yeah. So um, anyways, the, the idea behind B Corp is great, right? Using business as a force for good. Um, and we learned about this community or we got to know this community in such a great way uh, that we really want to be part of it. Um, the people are great. Uh, everyone shares the same value and that's so lovely about it that once you step in a room with only B Corp related people, the vibe is always good. There's never this sense of competition. Everyone is genuinely interested, I have the feeling, and everyone wants to um, uh, say that everyone wants the best for you. So yeah, I think that's, that's great if you can be part of such a community. And um, it also has an advantage in doing business because once people understand that you're a B Corp, they know you belong to the good guys, let's say, right? So there's already a sort of trust given from, from the start. And I think that's, that's great, very great. And that's why we would really love to be one of those guys. And um, yeah, be proud to, to wear, wear the jacket of a B Corp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I went to, to the B Corp Summit uh, last year. Um, where I met you and but I also met like a lot of other uh, people there a lot of um, B Corps and I was surprised how positive the whole like the energy was there and everyone was so supportive and everyone was open to um, collaborate or maybe to support you even if you would uh, be in the same market or you would be kind of competitors and I really really enjoyed that and I think this movement is, is just it's a great community where people have like the same vision and the uh, similar missions in, in common and they just want to accomplish those goals together by supporting each other which is great and i think that's that's maybe even the most important thing to mention everyone is in for the same goal and their specific business is just a means to get there mm -hmm. so what i also feel is that everyone is really i don't mind if you do it or i do it as long as we get there in the end so that's why this competition element is also not really in there as much and it's all about collaboration yeah 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 absolutely and yeah being part of this b corp uh, movement um it's always great to see those positive examples of businesses that really make a change or that have like those super super inspiring business models and you were working with a couple of uh, b corps but also with with other businesses you were just mentioning so maybe you can give us some examples of um customers you had uh, maybe some B Corps doesn't or some others that are not B Corps but that have like an inspiring business model so that we have like some case studies in here uh, we also had another client um, that did not have a product actually and they um, made software that would help companies engage their employees into um, 
actively engaging into the purpose of the company. Okay, so that sounds maybe a bit weird, but uh, it's actually purpose engagement software they're creating. Um, because often in companies, you know, people go there, they work and they go home, and often they don't have the feeling that they really contribute to the bigger purpose. Uh, especially companies that do not have a purpose to start with. So the more traditional companies, let's say. Um, but we see that employees, they, especially nowadays, they have the need to contribute uh, to something more than just going to work to earn their own money. And this mm. software they created um, made it possible for employees within the same company to um, bring up projects they were interested in that would be related also to the business of the company. Um, they could just um, send in ideas, like for example, hey, how about we start a, this is just an easy project, start a beach cleanup. Um, and then other employees in totally different departments could hook into that and say, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Um, I know someone who can actually organize the, the bags you need for that. And another employee said, hey, cool, and I know this organization that could do this and this for that. And then the um, employees together could get out there and actually do something related to a bigger purpose. And that really helped to motivate the employees for their, at their workplace, but also to really um, support the purpose of the company, if that makes sense. I'm going to yeah. check in now. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I do. It sounds like a, like a cool project, definitely. And also in comparison of the other businesses you were mentioning before that uh, were customers of you, it's definitely like a different approach. But you, it shows um, that like bringing purpose into a business or having impact business model doesn't only always have to be like a product, but can also be like service-based uh, business as well. Yeah, certainly. Um, especially now in a, in a more digitized world. It's, uh, and companies are getting bigger and people have hard times to connect to each other. Uh, it's really important to use technology to, to leverage this connection. And also now that we all have to work remotely, it's probably even more important than when you're in the same office. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And now that you just mentioned that we live in a digital world and uh, working remotely, etc. I would like to know um, how you build up your uh, marketing and your sales strategies. Do you mainly focus as well on like digital services or social media? Or how do you acquire your customers? Yes, it's a um, big part word of mouth and personal network. Um, and since we know what we want to focus on, so the FMB, FMCG companies, we actively reach out to them. And um, I learned that that's a very um, valuable approach to just go there and knock on the door. Not literally, but um, <laughs> uh, LinkedIn is a great tool for us. Um, I have the feeling that LinkedIn has become a platform that's also very, um, or let's say in our domain and the impact Domain LinkedIn is a very good tool because people tend to accept your requests easily if they see that you're also in a purpose slash impact related business. Yeah. And um, there's really easy to get connected. And what we just did is we um, sent out a survey to potential prospects to understand their interest in the German market. Not so much, hey, do you want us to help you with Germany, but more 
is Germany actually on your agenda to, to you know, also um, to qualify our, our pipeline a bit better, to then um, focus on the ones that actually say, yes, it is super interesting for us. And then you can continue to, to have the conversation. And uh, we realize that works really well, especially now that people are sitting at home and have a bit more time, it feels. They're also willing to, to engage in conversations um, that are not so much sales-related, but more research-related. Uh, yeah, so for us, that, that works quite well. Yeah, I think it's, it's a very good, important point that you just mentioned, because it's, it, it, it differs from, like, let's say, the traditional sales strategies that a lot of businesses use, where you maybe just um, pick up the phone and you just call a prospect and you try to uh, sell them something or to convince them um, about your service. But what you do is you create like kind of value, first of all, for them, because you reach out to them and you send them a survey and you um, show them that you're interested in them and that you want to yeah, create value to them as well by um, learning about um, yeah, their way of maybe entering ger the German market. And um, yeah, so I think this yeah. is cool. We, we practice what we preach, uh, let's say. Yeah. So we, we also try to understand the market first before we just offer something randomly because yeah, what's the point, right? Um, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, and I think we still are in a phase that we're not, super 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 clear that we say hey this is um what we can do for you uh, do you want to do it because people still have the the feeling that well let's just go out there and try and see what happens <laughs> so we still need a bit of um convincing there but it's definitely going into the right direction yeah and after sending out those surveys and interacting with the prospect and for the first time so what are the next steps following afterwards yeah, it's, I think sales is one of the hardest things. Um, so what I really go after is delivering this value and, um, but also to be persistent because um, what I realize is when someone reaches out to me and I don't answer straight away, that doesn't mean that I'm not interested. So, but if I see someone taking the effort to reach out to me again and really that I realize they're really reaching out to me and it's not a copy paste from, 100 other leads they're pursuing um, then i also like to acknowledge that they reach out to me so i'm trying to do the same to to be persistent to show someone that i actually care about what they're doing and not give up after um, they don't answer and i think that's what happens nowadays often is that people don't pursue uh, and just let, leave it hanging which is a pity so just continue to pursue them and until they really say no i think it's important to really hear the no and then of course be respectful of that and say okay thank you that's fine um, yeah and do you also um schedule some get to know calls with prospect that already give you like the feeling that they might be interested yeah definitely um, especially now it always starts with a call and um we always want to try to find out, okay, what is really your goal? Where are your pain points? What are your challenges? And where might we step in? Because um, we also feel we only want to step in if we re can really add a value. And if we realize you're not ready yet or you're at a totally different stage, then we also, yeah, we don't want to make a sale just to make a sale. 
Mm. Yeah. And um, talking about sales, I uh, would also like to talk about marketing. So can you also mm -hmm. give some insights in your marketing strategies? We picked up our blog game again. We did that already, um, I think, a year ago. We uh, wrote a lot of articles and shared them, but then uh, got a bit busy and then we stopped again. But we really believe in the value of content creation and the, the hmm, compound impact over time. So blog writing can be a bit frustrating because you don't see results straight away. It actually takes quite a lot of time, but we realized that now having, I don't know how many blogs on our, art, on our website, we see uh, things are moving. So uh, blogs in combination with LinkedIn, Instagram, and sharing it with a select audience, um, really helps. And that's actually also our only way of marketing, if I'm not mistaken. And why? We don't, we don't invest in ads or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, you do like kind of organic um, outreach. Yeah. Marketing. yeah. And of course, could you call such a podcast like this marketing? Probably also. Yeah. Um, we go to events. Well, we went to events. <laughs> <laughs> um you know uh, but all very personal so uh yeah we might maybe something for the future to see how can we make it more automatic or yeah but yeah let's see because we are focusing on such a niche that's mm, i don't know yet how to actually do that efficiently <laughs> and why did you show uh, why did you choose to start the blog i mean written content was it because um you found out that this is what your target market uh, actually wants most in t terms of content or because you and carrie you enjoy most like writing um because i mean besides blog you can also start a podcast or maybe like a youtube channel like focus more on videos so i would like to know why you chose um to have a blog yeah um that was definitely also based on what we like to do and um, to be very honest, honest, it's it's in our comfort zone. So um, on our list is definitely video because I really believe that video is the way to go. I also enjoy videos more than blogs, for example. And I think that it's a lot quicker to absorb than reading a long article. Probably more fun and personal. Uh, podcasts could be an idea. Um, we still are in the phase of researching what our target group actually consumes um i think instagram works for us okay-ish as well we got our biggest client via instagram so that's funny how that goes um so i think it's also important to just try stuff and see what works and then because yeah you never know what really works um because i also think yeah who's our target group um of course that that might be ceos that read high-class magazines or uh, something like that but they are also when they're bored just scrolling through instagram and you know just consume light content as well so it's interesting to see uh, and have a mix of um, reaching out there mm. yeah you were also saying that you have a freelancer that is um doing your social media marketing and i would like to know um the blogs you you post on your website do you also use parts of them to then share them on linkedin or on 
are there social media channels or what exactly do you share on your social media channels yeah. or what is the strategy behind that? It's something we just started again with four weeks ago. So we're still evaluating um, the outcome, but uh, we use LinkedIn and Instagram to actually only for the sharing of the blog and, uh, and to share interesting events. So something interesting that would happen that we share. Um, yes, and we are also looking to um, use, for example, groups on LinkedIn and Facebook to share our contact and um, to see, uh, to actively engage with people and see where we can bring our knowledge in. Um, so we try to not just put it out there, but really place it where it could really be valuable for people. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah but it's, yeah, social media is such a... <laughs> It's a, it's a different game, I think. It's really, yeah. I think if you want to do it good, you should probably put a full-time employee on it and only do that. Uh, but yeah, something we cannot afford at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with you. If you want to be very successful on social media, um, let it be Facebook, let it be uh, Instagram, it's a full-time yeah. job and you have to put a lot of effort in there and consistency to, mm -hmm. if you want to have like a big following. And also, at some point, ads definitely make sense as well, I would say. Yeah, and I think, yeah, it's, um, I think one, one blog we wrote, we were super uh, surprised about the amount of times it was read. And we're like, okay, I, I think it was more than 600 times it was read. Okay, where are all those people? And how do we get to them? Because only reading a blog is not getting you anywhere, right? So we're also really trying to analyze the data that we have uh, and work with that instead of just writing blogs for the sake of writing blogs and then not do anything with it. Do you also put a call to actions or something like that within your blog articles to like, yeah, engage with people and maybe motivate them to make a next step? Yeah, definitely. We're still also experimenting with that because we don't want to be too out, too pressuring. Like, hey, get in touch with us. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're trying to. Mm -hmm. What kind of call to action do you put? Um, I'm just gonna open our last blog article, and it said. Um, just the last sentence. Don't forget that we are here to help. If you have questions or doubt. Doubts don't hesitate to approach us. Okay. And then there's a button or something where they can click and then. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Cool. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much also to give me or us some insights in your, in your marketing and in your sales strategies. That was very, very um, helpful. Definitely. And yeah, we're kind of moving towards the end of this interview. And I think it was a great interview and you shared a lot of, cool insights and especially related to your own business model to your own experiences but also um, giving the examples of the customers you worked uh, you work with um, and uh, talking about the b corp movement and b corps in general which is very 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 valuable and before um, we end this interview i would like to uh, talk about one topic that we left out so far but i mentioned it in the beginning because you also founded um, another project the next normal so maybe you can explain this a little bit further yes um the next normal uh, is already two years old now 
and uh, it was founded out of the need that um, sustainability is can be a heavy topic right um, you have to stop doing things you can do less you shop less you eat less uh, meat for example it can have a negative connotation and we thought you know what <laughs> let's make it fun and actually have drinks with people that are like-minded and think about stuff that we can actually do instead of not do and um, it started uh, two years ago with six people on one evening it's every second Friday of the month in Amsterdam by the way for all of those that want to join um, by the way not at the moment obviously <laughs> um, it, it now grew out to a community of more than 350 people. Wow. And um, on the, I think on the biggest event, we had 50 people um, at one of these evenings. And uh, in the beginning, we also had talks from different people. But we quite quickly realized, hey, you know what? People just want to connect, have drinks, and make plans for the future. So we really also focused on that. And so many connections already grew out of it that people work together um, it's mainly entrepreneurs uh, with also a few employees in there but we see that um, these entrepreneurs they always look for like-minded people when they need to outsource something so you want you look for a photographer then you ideally want someone that's also a sustainable photographer or you need a designer or a website builder and ideally you look for people within that network because you know they are also in this, they also share the same mission. So that's, uh, yeah, really great. So I can see that also a lot of business opportunities arise for your members within this community. Yeah, exactly. so, so we ourselves, we don't want to make a business out of it. It's more a platform that we provide for sustainable entrepreneurs to, well, to have fun on one hand, but also to connect. Cool. So yeah, for everyone who uh, might be in Amsterdam sometime soon after the coronavirus, uh, so mm -hmm. definitely check out one of those events. I think it's super cool. And we always end the interview with some fireball questions. Um, it's just four questions. And just uh, share with us the first thing that comes to your mind so you don't have to think uh, too long. And um, mm -hmm. if you're ready, we can start with the first one. Okay. Uh, one, two, three. Yes, ready. <laughs> Do you have any quotes that you think of often or try to live your life by? Yes, uh, I do. Uh, the quote is from Albert Einstein, and it's insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Uh, this is not only the leading quote for me, but also for Expansion Eco, because yeah, I've been always been a challenger of the norm, and I don't like to follow the masses. So. Uh, the masses that are wondering why stuff is happening all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good one for sure. Second question, what book have you recommended or given as a gift the most? Yes, that would be the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Um, Cause it made me quit my job back yeah, in the day. Me as well. Me as well. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I think, you know, not everything in the book is valid, of course. And uh, I mean, for everything, everyone, someone, something else is interesting in the book, but I think it's great to read for everyone because yeah, there's, there's a lot of value in there yeah. for sure. Definitely. Uh, question number three, if you could have one billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? 
Mm, I think I would put on, you have time. And maybe to elaborate, um, so many people are rushing through life and not acknowledging the present. I think it's such a pity. Um, it's maybe a bit a cliche, but you don't want to wake up at 85 and think, shit, um, what do I do? And I'm thinking about the scenario sometimes and I really want to make sure I enjoyed the life we have of which we only have one. So really make the most of it and, you know, don't stay in your job if you hate it. Um, go out and enjoy the sunshine while you can and, you know, take the time because you have the time and make the most of it. Yep, absolutely. Last question. What's your message for everyone listening to this? <laughs> well, I guess the billboard question answered that already. <laughs> um, yeah, take the time and enjoy because, yeah, you don't want to worry about work-related stuff uh, if you can actually worry about world-related stuff. <laughs> yeah. The, it's very important and I also want to thank you that you took the time today to be in this uh, podcast and to um, yeah. <laughs> thanks for asking me absolutely yeah and to share all those advice and insights um, I loved it it was very very valuable and last but not least uh, for all the people that would like to connect with you where can they find you they can find me on Instagram for some hilarious um, funny jokes I'm making. <laughs> That's the, the less serious part of me. Uh, it's just my name uh, at Johanna Nager and on LinkedIn, I'm obviously and our website expansion.eco. Yeah, I will put all the links uh, you just mentioned in the show notes. And um, yeah, thank you very much as I just said for being in the podcast and also for everyone listening um, today. Thank you for, for tuning in and um, I really appreciate it and I wish you a great uh, day and yeah, listen to you or see you next time in the next episode. Bye-bye. <laughs>
and if you join then hope that you will enjoy be part of our community uh, so anyway that's it for now the show notes as Sina already said are available at forchangemakers.com slash podcast and um, yeah that's our website there you can also join the for change makers friday and also we put a lot of effort and time to put together a lot of information for free to help you to grow your business so you just maybe can go around uh, visit our knowledge center where you will find a lot of valuable resources so uh, that's it for now and hope to see you next episode bye bye